Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. I don't ever want to let him go. And the writer said, it's in him we move, we breathe, we have our being. And I just don't want to let go of that. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't nothing without Jesus. Amen. You can act like you came to church all put together today, but the truth of the matter is you ain't nothing without Jesus either. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 16. Judges 16 verse 18. Very familiar story. And uh, I want to just preach to you the burden that the Lord has laid on my heart this morning. Honor today to Pastor Bradford. So good to have them home. Amen. Back in God's country. Hallelujah. And uh, I love this man, this family. They are wonderful people. And I just enjoy every time I get to be around the Bradford family. God sent the best to Bakersfield. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Judges chapter 16, verse 18. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called to the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lord of the Philistines came up unto her, brought money in their hand. She made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. This is one of the greatest tragedies of the word of God, for then it says that he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. The Philistines took him, put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gazem, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Verse 22 gives us a little bit of hope, though, because it says, How be it, or in spite of that, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. I'm going to talk to you today about secondary succession. Secondary succession. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands and ask the Lord to move in this house? God, we love you. We thank you. So glad to be in your presence, to be with you today, for we know that we can't do anything without you. We're asking you, God, today to have your way in this house. God, I'm asking you to touch somebody, reach somebody. Change us, challenge us by your word and by your spirit. Pray, God, right now that the anointing that destroys every yoke would touch my lips of clay, touch our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give God thanks for his word. Thank you, Lord. 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 Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Most of us here today know the story of Samson, the Sunday school story of the guy with all the muscles known for his strength, his agility, his fiery pranks, his witty fighting abilities, the champion judge of Israel. That from whom birth God is called and appointed to be a leader 
And here in our text this morning, he has now been captured and defeated. The story of Samson is, again, a lot like us in more than one ways when we see that he has a lot of faults and a lot of failures, such as many of us in here today have faults and failures. I guess I'm by myself. I've seen one man with his hand up. Everybody else just saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I, I, I think I can speak for the majority of us here today, unless there's perfect people here. God help us if there is. But that, that we all have faults. We all have shortcomings. There, there is something with Samson. He has more than once fell in love with a woman that was not Hebrew. He has repeated uh, he has repeatedly flirted with a line that is very staunch and very bold between sin and salvation. He has, and, and I, know, I know we talk about the Spirit of the Lord moving from him once he broke his covenant, but I'm just going to tell you this, where I read to you today where he, he had his hair shaved, and that's not the place that Samson broke his covenant with God. You can back up a little bit, and you'll find that he has took honey from the carcass of a dead animal. That, that, was, that was the breaking of his covenant right there. Letting us know that God is a merciful God and God is not a kind of God that once you mess up once or even twice that he will, he will cut you off. But Samson who has an anointing on his life who is called by God, he's messed up more than once and his, we understand the story. He, he's once been married to a Philistine and uh, um, simply because he has a lust for the things of the world and, and I can get into that. I don't want to take too much time there. But, but we do understand that Samson just wanted to fit in with his modern world. When he was called to be a separate and holy man of God, he wanted to fit in with the status quo. And, and I believe, I'm not preaching yet, y'all just hold on, we're going to preach here in a minute. But I, I do believe that, that the enemy knows the very moment that, that Samson began to fall, the same way he knows the moment that you begin to fall. I, I don't want to give him any credit today, but... That's one old preacher said, he's a pretty good devil. He's been doing it a long time. And, and with that in mind, all it takes is one very simple thing like a trip to Timnath. That's what happened to Samson. Samson makes his way to Timnath, and from there, it is a downward spiral. And I, I do believe that there's a spiritual stronghold that is set up here because Timnath is the place that Judah would fail God. Timnath is the place where there, there, there would be a burying of a man that it took uh, the gold and the silver from the city of Jericho. It's, it's here at Timnath. And, and so there's a spiritual stronghold that is set up. And, and when Samson begins to look towards the place that has been a place of compromise for years, he begins his downward trek. I do believe that's why the word of God would teach us to flee the very appearance of evil. Well, it's not evil. It don't have to be. If it looks evil, run from it. You'll save yourself a whole lot of trouble. You'll get out of a whole lot of trouble. And, and, and so this, this place, Timnath, it is, it's a melting pot, so to speak, where people that worship Jehovah could come and they could worship any other gods, and then they could run back to Zorah, about a 15-mile journey, and then they could stand there before the priest and worship God on Sunday morning all over again. And again, all it takes is one trip. 
And Samson begins, his life begins to unravel. And time evolves and his first wife is burnt and he makes an attempt after Delilah who we know bugs him until eventually he gives the secret how God told his parents as long as the hair of his head is intact, he will have this supernatural relationship with me. I've read to you very briefly the story she causes him to go to sleep and she puts a razor to his head and she shaves from him the locks of hair that he has had for so long. And the sad thing is, is in all of this, he's captured, we know that, they, and we're going to come back to some of this here today, hopefully if we have time, but uh, they, they gouge out his eyes, they take away his vision, and now he is stuck doing the job of an animal going around and around in circles in the prison. And the truth of the matter is, though, is each and every one of us that I am preaching to today have fell into the same trap that Samson had fallen into. And there may even be some today that feel as if you are a casualty of failure because you messed up. And the voice of Delilah has deceived you into giving up on God. You feel as if Samson felt when he realized that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. You realize that now there's been a there's been a relationship that is broken between me and God. But however, the Bible says, in spite of all of this, in spite of the fact that Samson failed. In spite of the fact that Samson went directly against the word of God and the voice of God. That after all of that, that while he's in the prison cell, walking around and around in circles, going nowhere fast. The Bible says that the hair of his head began to grow again. I want somebody to know today that in spite of your failure, in spite of your sin, in spite of your mistake, that the hair of your head can begin to grow again. And because sin has shaven you down to nothing, I've come to tell you there's a little bit of stubble growing on your head. And can I tell you today that all God needs is just a little bit of stubble to start working on restoration and to start working on a miracle and to start turning everything that the devil meant for evil around. I don't care how deep in the prison cell you are. I don't care how far from God you feel. The God I serve is a God of restoration and he can bring you back from the brink of nothing. He can bring you up out of nowhere. You might have failed. Yes, you might have made that mistake state, but God is faithful. God is faithful to restore. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost right here. This isn't in, even in my notes, but I just feel to touch this for a moment. And we, we read of God as this God, and, and it is true. He's a God that hates sin. He's a God that doesn't want any. He is a holy God. And so he tells us, be ye holy, for I am holy. And as he instructs us to be holy, we understand that this God that has a holy people is very quick to turn away from his people. He gets mad quick. God's upset very quickly. 
And, and you see that he turns them over to the Chaldeans and he turns them over to Babylon and he turns them over again and again and again and again. But there's this thing about God. The same God that is quick to wrath is quick to mercy. And just as quickly as he can flip the switch and be mad, all it takes is for one person to bend their knee and begin to repent and that hardened heart of God begins to soften. That anger begins to abate away. Can I tell you today, you may feel like God's mad at you and that God doesn't want anything to do with you and that may be true. You may be in that place in the prison cell where God has turned you over because you've been so far away from him and you've walked away from him but can I tell you that that same God that is quick to wrath is so quick to mercy uh, and he's just waiting on you. Uh, he's He's not waiting on you to get everything right and get everything back in line, but he's waiting on you to bend your knee. Say, God, I know I made a mistake. I messed up, but I'm coming back. I know I ran the opposite direction, but I'm coming back. I know I fell fat on my face, but I'm coming back. And the moment you make up your mind to come back, God opens his arms and says, come on home, Samson. I'll let your anointing grow back. I'll let your ministry grow back. I'll let, oh my katarabohoshata, I'm sitting here in the shabbles of what I used to be. You, you don't understand, friend, the kind of God I serve. He knows how to bring greatness out of the rubble of despair. He's a God of secondary succession. He's a God that, let, let's just be honest, God does it better when you've already made a mess of it anyway. God's, God's truth and God's ability to shine, because the truth of the matter is, is on my own. I'm just going to preach about me for a second. If it relates to you, you can just say amen. On my own, I'll I just be honest with you, I'm a knucklehead. I can't do anything right. I can't live for God successfully, Brother Bradford, if I don't have the Holy Ghost helping me. And the only hope I got is the fact that the God I serve is a God of secondary succession. The only hope that Jacob Phillips has is the fact that the God I serve looks beyond all my shortcomings and all my failures and sees something in me. I don't deserve to be preaching to you wonderful people today, but I'm here to tell you right now that a God that is rich in mercy. When I bow my knee, he comes to where I am. And I might not be everything I'm going to be one day, but you hear me right now. I'm walking just like you're walking towards the place of completion. Once we get to the other side, I'm not perfect, but I've just learned that he's a God that'll pick you up. And he's a God that'll dust you off. He's a God that'll love you when you're unlovable that'll care about you when you don't want anybody around. He's that God that'll run to where you are. Something interesting to me, I, I read it not too long ago about the story of the prodigal son and, and, and it's the culture of the Hebrew people. If you bring dishonor, if you bring dishonor to your family by doing what the prodigal son did. There is 
certain custom. It's a ceremony called the Kinzazah. And in this ceremony, this, this prodigal that comes home that has brought dishonor to his family, when he comes into the community, Pastor Bradford, they take these clay pots filled with dirt and they get to the boy or the prodigal and they begin to throw these, these clay pots at his feet until literally it maims him. You've brought dishonor. The only thing that can save the boy, you'll find it in scripture, is that if the father, the one that's been dishonored, the one that's had his name drugged through the mud, gets there first. And you'll read about the prodigal son as the father looks out over the porch. I don't, I, I don't know if they had porches. I just like to think that they did. He's sitting in the rocking chair on the front porch and he sees that boy coming and he knows if he don't get there first that that boy's going to be maimed for life and he ain't even going to be able to walk. And the society, if you will, is going to cripple him. Society is going to tell him how horrible of a person he's been. But daddy gets up and daddy begins to run to where he is. Daddy gets there before everybody else because he wants to show him. I, I know he made a mistake and I know he brought dishonor to the church. I, 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 know, I know he did some stuff he shouldn't have done but he's still mine he's still got my name and and you're not gonna you're not gonna maim him you're, you're not gonna bring him down to where he can't even walk he belongs to me can I tell you today if you're trying to make your way back to the house of God that there's nobody here today that's gonna throw the clay pot at your feet we're here because we love you and you're a part of us you belong here can I take it a step farther and say if you've never been to this church before in your life and this is your first time here but you're sick of sin and sin has been controlling your life that you're in a place today that's not looking to look down their nose at you but we're looking to pick you up because we are the body of Christ and let his name be applied to you. You need to know this is the place where you can get a second chance at life. This is the place where God brings you out of the ashes. I got to get everything right before I can get up there. No, you don't. You get up here to get everything right. You, you, you don't have to be perfect to repent. That's the whole point of repentance is you're not perfect. You understand? Secondary succession, it, it, it's, it's kind of a neat deal that happens when a productive field most of the time, y'all know about fires over here. Most of the time, it's, it's when a productive field is, is taken by fire. Field just about ready to harvest. And something comes in and wipes it out. Studies have shown, though, most of the time when this happens, the field that's been burnt, the field that has seemingly been destroyed, the field that has had its hopes and dreams and aspirations crushed comes back most of the time 3.5 to 4 times stronger than it was before destruction ever hit it. You understand what I'm telling you today is that you have an opportunity right now 
in this house to be stronger than you've, well, I, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you did. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm mad right now at the devil, at the spirit of condemnation that would set on the good saints of this of this church and, and, and the visitors that are here today that have come in. And the enemy told you, you don't belong here. I'm here to tell you right now, the devil's a liar. You do belong here. You're just going through the process of being stripped down so that God can bring you back up again and show you how great his glory is. Let's be honest, none of us like this process. Anybody that's been through it knows what I'm talking about. It, nobody likes it. Nobody likes being stripped down to nothing. God letting the God just letting everything take over. It's, it's, it's kind of like Job said, there's hope of a tree if it be cut down. Brother Williams preached about it a couple uh, weeks ago. At the sin of water, it's going to return again. And, 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 and you, can relay, you can relay that with Jeremiah chapter 1, which he did so wonderfully, and I'm just going to re-preach it. Y'all heard it, but I'm going to preach it and my, put my spin on it. This, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see the bud of an almond tree. Why, why is that important? Because an almond tree is always the first tree that begins to bloom after wintertime. There's a bud. Just, I don't, I don't get what you're saying, Jer God. Wintertime's over. You've been stripped. You've lost your life. Let's be honest. Nobody likes wintertime in that sense. I do in other senses. But we're not going into that today. All the hunting brethren know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. He almost ran the aisles right then. My God. That's what I'm talking about. How do you find a redneck? Right there. You just found one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nobody likes being stripped down, right? I mean, if you put yourself in, in, in the shoes of an almond tree, you go through winter, you lose your bark, you lose, you lose your leaves. God, why can't I be an evergreen? Don't ever have to lose my leaves. Don't ever have to lose my bark. I'll tell you why. Because an evergreen don't bear fruit. And if you're going to be fruitful, you've got to go through wintertime where God strips you down to nothing and starts all over again. And if you're going to be productive in the kingdom of God, God's going to have to take you down. To, that's why the mercy of God and the power of God, it, it, it's so real in our life because God takes people. You, you, you can look at every preacher. You can look at every usher. You can look at every saint. And I can promise you they have a story of how God took them down to nothing and brought his power through them. And if you think you're any different, honey, then you've absolutely lost your mind. It's just a part of the journey. And God is trying to show you how real and how powerful and how merciful he really is. I, I'm, I'm going to try to close quickly. I, I, I feel like I need to, to close pretty quick here. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach all of this. But I, musicians come. I'm going to preach some of it. Bible says that he's walking around in circles. He's in the grinding house. He's got a burden. He's lost his vision. I just know I can preach that, but I don't have time. But without a vision, the people perish. And I'll just let your mind go crazy on that. 
They took away his vision and now he's just walking around in circles. He's walking, but he ain't getting anywhere. Ooh, somebody just felt that one. It's everything I can do just to get up and go through the work week. And when I, at the end of the week, I don't have any money left. I don't have any of my mind left. I'm just as stressed as I was when I started the work week. I got up on Monday morning and said, this week's going to be different. And life happened. And now here I am. I'm putting out all this energy and I'm not getting anywhere. And the Philistines are laughing. The voices of the enemy are saying, see, I told you, you'll never be anything. I'll be a little bit. Walking in circles. No vision stripped from everything that he's ever had. How be it the hair of his head began to grow again. I thought my mistake disqualified me by being able to be a prayer warrior. Uh-uh. Thought my mistake, this mistake disqualified me from being able to reach the loss. No. Thought my mistake dis disqualified me from being able to be a part of a family like Greater Bakersfield First Pentecostal Church. No. As a matter of fact, your mistake makes you fit in. I can't get no help on Sunday morning. Your mistake makes you fit in here. Because you see the suit and tie and you see the nice hairdo and you seen the car they drove up in, but you don't know where they came from. Can we talk about it? This wonderful man sitting on, I, I got to eat dinner with him the other day. I don't think he ate, I ate. He just sat there and talked. We had a good time. He began to tell me the story of how God brought him and his family to church. And I, and I won't, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure you come back later because I'm going to leave you hanging. If you only knew, though, one night you, you're going to get to come and hear him tell the story. Just keep coming back. And if it doesn't happen tonight, then come back Tuesday night. And if he don't tell it Tuesday night, come back Sunday morning. Eventually you'll hear it. But if you knew, you don't know why he's up here dancing and shouting because he knows. I think sometimes we look at these Bible heroes, and indeed they are Bible heroes. But we look at them and we put them in places and we assume that they didn't walk like we walk. Because when we go to the hallway of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we, we highlight the kind of the first couple guys there. We get through Noah and Abraham and Enoch and Adam and, and, and we, or we, we go through all of that. We go through the we, we go through Jacob and Isaac and we get to Moses and we go through all of that and then we just kind of quit but you keep on reading that old Samson that ain't worth having the Samson that's 
the least likely to succeed, the Samson that messed up so, he didn't just mess up once. I, I done said that, but I'll just reiterate that right here. This wasn't the first time he broke his covenant with God. Wasn't the first time, wasn't even the second time. That's Samson. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says, boy, if I had time, I could tell you, I, I, time, it, it's just, I don't have enough ink in my pen to tell you. He starts going down the stories, naming names. And right there in the middle of it, there's old Samson whom we've ripped apart because of his failures. That's not the whole story. How many times have you, and, and, and indeed, there, there's a lot to be said about the sin of Samson that I don't have time to get into today. But how many times have you heard it preached and talked about and we, get, we tell the story of Samson and we stop with Samson being right there in Delilah's lap and the Spirit of God leaves him. That's where we leave him. But there's more to the story just like there's more to your story. Well, this is where I am. Yes, but that's not the end. It's just time to change chapters. There's more to the story. Would you stand with me today? Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost reaching for somebody right now that like Samson, you, you, you've been told of all the stuff you've done wrong and you get up every day and you're reminded of how big of a failure you are because you failed God. Join the club, honey. We've all failed God. I'm reaching for somebody right now that has so much potential. There's so much you left in, you, in the gas tank, if you will. For you to, you pray, there's prayers you haven't prayed yet that can set people free. There's Bible studies. You know how to teach Bible studies and you can't teach them right now because the enemy of your mind has you convinced that you're not good enough. How many people, let me ask you this, on just a raw note, this is just the reality of what it is. How many people are going to go to hell because you can't figure out that God looked past me And saw them and wanted to use me to connect to them to get them to the house of God but I was so caught up on my mistake let me ask you a question are you going to lift your mistake up higher than God I know it's a simple question but it's, it's, it's got a lot of depth to it are you magnifying what you've done above the power of God because let me tell you something when you say I've done too much it's just as if you walked up to the cross and slapped Jesus Christ himself across the face and looked him in the eye and said your blood's not good enough your blood's not good enough to cover what I've done can I tell you when he died and, and, and don't lose me here We'll come back to this at a later date. But Jesus Christ did not die for the sins of the world. That's not how it worked. He, he didn't just die and say, here's the blood that ought to cover it. Jesus Christ died for the sins of individuals. Every 
individual. He didn't just say, well, this is how to do it. That's enough blood. That's enough pain. That's enough sacrifice to cover everybody in the world. No, when he died, he was thinking about you. The God that was made flesh was thinking about Sunday morning in October in Bakersfield, California, whether it's your first time here, Apostolic Church, or you're familiar with it and you're just struggling. He was thinking about this Sunday morning knowing that there was going to be a moment where the lies had to begin to silence truth had to come forth God cares about you in spite of what you've done would you come right now would you make your way I, I, I don't care what you've done where you're from what side of the tracks you grew up on what mistake you made I'm here to tell you right now that God wants to use you Samson he knows that that you've been stripped down to nothing. He knows that your vision's been taken away and you can't see where you're going. God, God knows that sin has tried to destroy your life and he's reaching for you anyway. You feel that? That's called conviction. And that should let you know right now that the devil is a liar and that God does care. Come on, if you're beside someone that's a visitor or they haven't been in a while, you ought to reach over and grab them by the hand. Let it be the body of Christ. Pray with them. Come on, let's pray together. As they begin to sing, would you reach out to heaven? Would you let God touch you? Would you let God help you? Oh, there we go. Come on, God's reaching. He loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. Come on, the Holy Ghost wants to help you. The Holy Ghost wants to help you. wants to help you. Oh, how he loves us. I'm not here today to tell you how to pray, but if you don't know what to say, you just begin to pray to God and tell him you're sorry for everything you've done that was wrong. He already knows you don't have to go down the line and name it all out, but if you just begin to repent, God, I'm sorry. I know I've made mistakes and I need help. I need you to help me, God. I can't do this on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have it all together. I need you. I need you. Come on, I need you, God. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here right now. The Holy Ghost is here right now. God wants to help you today. God wants to help you.